0: We're going to read the story now that uh, we were sharing earlier from Ruth chapter 4, and in the Church Bibles it's page 269. So here's the last part of the, the Bible story from the New International Version. Meanwhile, Boaz went up to the town gate and sat there. When the kinsman-redeemer he had mentioned came along, Boaz said, Come over here, my friend, and sit down. So he went over and sat down. Boaz took ten of the elders of the town and said, Sit here. And they did so. Then he said to the kinsman-redeemer, Naomi, who has come back from Moab, is selling the piece of land that belonged to our brother Elimelech. I thought I should bring the matter to your attention and suggest that you buy it in the presence of these seated here and in the presence of the elders of my people. If you will redeem it, do so. But if you will not, tell me so that I will know. For no one has the right to do it except you and I am next in line. I will redeem it, he said. Then Boaz said, On the day you buy the land from Naomi, and from Ruth the Moabites, you acquire the dead man's widow in order to maintain the name of the dead with his property. At this, the kinsman redeemer said, then, I cannot redeem it because I might endanger my own estate. You redeem it yourself. I cannot do it. Now, in earlier times in Israel, for the redemption and transfer of property to become final, one party took off his sandal and gave it to the other. This was the method of legalizing transactions in Israel. So the kinsman redeemer said to Boaz, buy it yourself, and he removed his sandal. Then Boaz announced to the elders and all the people, today, you are witnesses that I have bought from Naomi all the property of Elimelech, Killian, and Malon. I have also acquired Ruth the Moabites, Malon's widow as my wife, in order to maintain the name of the dead with his property, so that his name will not disappear from among his family or from the town records. Today You are witnesses. Then the elders and all those at the gate said, We are witnesses. May the Lord make the woman who's coming into your home like Rachel and Leah, who together built up the house of Israel. May you have standing in Ephratha and be famous in Bethlehem. Through the offspring the Lord gives you by this young woman, May your family be like that of Perez, whom Tamar bore to Judah. So Boaz took Ruth, and she became his wife. Then he went to her, and the Lord enabled her to conceive, and she gave birth to a son. The woman said to Naomi, Praise be to the Lord, who this day has not left you without a kinsman redeemer, May he become famous throughout Israel. He will renew your life and sustain you in your old age. For your daughter-in-law, who loves you and is better to you than seven sons, has given him birth. Then Naomi took the child, laid him in her lap, and cared for him. The women living there said, Naomi has a son. And they named him Obed. He was the father of Jesse, the father of David. This then is the family line of Perez. Perez was the father of Hezron. Hezron, the father of Ram. Ram, the father of Aminadab. Aminadab, the father of Nashon. Nashon, the father of Salmon. Sammon, the father of Boaz. Boaz, the father of Obed, Obed, the father of Jesse, and Jesse, the father of David. Amen. Praise God for his word to us. Thank you for the welcome that you've given me over the last uh, four Sundays. Um, You have been an encouragement and blessing to me, so... Uh, I hope in some small measure I've been able to share something with you, but it's been great being here and being part of the church. And uh, this morning, when I was just checking the slides uh, for the, the sermon, uh, Fiona brought in a an extract from the local newspaper, a, a full page about the Children's Holiday Club recently, which was really good to see. So there's obviously a lot of goodwill towards the church in the community, and I can assure you of Ongoing prayers for yourselves and for Ross and his family in the the weeks and months ahead. We've been thinking in Ruth chapter 4 about pathways of grace. And we've seen how God's grace was at work in the life of this young woman. And how God worked his purpose out in her and through her for his glory. And how that can happen to us too when God takes hold of our lives and His grace impacts us, and the joy of the marriage of Ruth and Boaz, then the birth of Obed, it's just the icing on the cake uh, on this story. Not every story in the Bible has a happy ending, but this one does, and it's that happy ending that we're going to explore today. And yet we're reminded as we look at this story But it's a story that that sparks to life because it's about ordinary people. I don't know if any of you are Archers fans, but, you know, the Archers has been described as an everyday story of country folk. And that's what this story in Ruth is, really. An everyday story of country folk, ordinary people. And I think that's what makes it so special that against the dark background of the book of Judges, this story shines with the light of God's presence and the the realization that God can do something through ordinary people, just like Ruth and Boaz and Naomi. Of course, The Archers is never-ending. It goes on and on and on. And the story of Ruth, although it comes to an end here, her story, it's not actually finished there as we'll find out a little bit later. So, as we think about the pathways of grace, um, there are four things that I want to highlight today about chapter 4 in Ruth. And the first is this. This is a time for redemption. We've heard about the kinsman redeemer, and we've heard about the role that that person had in the life of the people of Israel. And now we see the kinsman-redeemer in action. Boaz takes the action that he's promised and that Naomi and Ruth have waited for patiently, we think, and how God calls us sometimes to wait upon him. And Boaz now swings into action, and we've read the story, we've rehearsed it already, of how the transaction was done at the town gate with the witnesses there, the ten elders, and with anyone who is passing by, also part of the witnessing crowd, and the legalization of it with the sandal being handed over. And Boaz is doing what the kinsman redeemer would do. He says, I will buy the land, I will make sure that the inheritance that belonged to the three men who've died, Elimelech, Kilian, and Malon, will be passed on to the firstborn child of our relationship between himself and Ruth when they were married, and the name of the dead father will be kept alive. That was really important in Israel, for the name to be kept alive. We're very blessed to have seven grandsons, but uh, none of them have the name Shields because we are two daughters. So we've got uh, other names in the family. And actually, I came from a big family in Easterhouse. My father was one of eight children, I think it was. And I'm the last surviving male with the Shields name. So after me, that part of the name goes. And this is the collective time for an awe. <laughs> <laughs> Sympathy votes, um, my daughter said when she got married that uh, she actually made a speech at her wedding. She said, um, we know that, that dad feels that the name will be lost. So we've decided to name our goldfish Green Shields. <laughs> so the, the name will be perpetuated. But in Israel, the name was really important. That's why there are so many genealogies in the Bible. Don't, don't skip by them when you get to them because they're important. They tell stories. They're names of people, real people, ordinary people, people who matter to God and mattered in that society. So it cost Boaz to do what he did. He had to make a sacrifice. He had to fork out money to buy the field that Naomi was selling, knowing perfectly well that if he and Ruth had a son that son would then inherit that field that Naomi had sold to Boaz. And anything that came from that field, that son could lay claim to. So, the kinsman redeemer, at personal cost, would put out his money and his effort and energy, but then know that that could pass on to others. And it's interesting in this story that there's two kinsman redeemers There's one whose name we don't know. And the the ironic thing about this is that the kinsman redeemer, whose name we don't know, did not want to lose that name in Israel, did not want to lose his inheritance. He did not want to fork out money that he might then lose in the future when the child inherited. And the ironic thing is, we don't know his name at all. But Boaz was prepared to make a sacrifice. He was prepared to say, I will act as kinsman redeemer. And his name is there in the Bible, and it's recorded forever. So the man who wanted to save his name lost it. (laughs) And the man who was willing to sacrifice kept his name, the name of Boaz. And we don't know who the other... (sighs) kinsman-redeemer was. But the thing that motivated Boaz, probably two things. One was to do what was right, and the other was because of his love for this woman, Ruth, who had come and offered herself to him in marriage. And Boaz was only too delighted to accept this offer. And in his love, his, his covenanted love, for Ruth to protect her, to provide for her, to offer her a home and support, a permanent roof over her head, food to eat, clothes to wear, a sense of belonging, all of that was part of what the kinsman-redeemer could do. So, for Ruth and Naomi, it was an end to poverty. It was a promise of income. It was the continuation of support through the land and the farming that they could be involved in. It was hope for the future. It was a relationship that promised so much that they could never have dreamt of when they came back from the land of Moab to the land of Israel. God had been good to Naomi and to Ruth. God had kept His promises God was fulfilling His purpose in the lives of these women and in this new family that was created. You know, when you come into the New Testament, you you hear quite a lot about redemption and about the work of Jesus in our serving as our Redeemer. He buys us back from the, the power of sin. He sets us free from its curse. He offers us forgiveness and new life and hope for the future. But, you know, we, we diminish redemption if we keep it only in that very core spiritual context. You see, God's purpose is ultimately to redeem the whole of creation. One day there will be a new heaven and a new earth. And Jesus, in his redemptive acts, was beginning the process of the whole renewal of creation. So, the Redeemer in the Old Testament is just a a picture of the Redeemer in the New Testament, but a very pale imitation of the great Redeemer who would come, who would do some amazing things, and through his work would act to redeem individuals, but also ultimately to redeem the whole of creation. Now, why do I mention that and emphasize it? Because here's the significant thing for us as the people of God. If we've come to trust in this Redeemer, if we can say Jesus really is my Redeemer, then He engages us to work with Him in the work of redemption in our world today. So, when you're striving to end poverty, when you're seeking to feed the hungry, when you're restoring land to the dispossessed, when you're providing work for the unemployed, when you're offering homes for the homeless, when you're welcoming refugees, when you're giving dignity to women who've not had that before, when you're working to end people trafficking in our world today, when you're seeking to care for those who are the least and the lowest in our society, you're sharing in the work of redemption that is seen in the action of Boaz in one society, in one specific culture, at one time in history, but is seen then supremely in what Jesus did in his life and death and resurrection, and the promise of all that He will yet do in the complete renewal of creation. Here's something that the Apostle Paul said in a well-known passage in Romans chapter 8. He said, "...the creation was subjected to frustration not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the glorious freedom of the children of God. There is a Redeemer, Jesus, God's own Son. And His work is not just to redeem us, but ultimately to redeem the whole of creation. And one day we will see what that means. But meantime... Brothers and sisters, let me encourage you to continue to be involved with him in the working out of his redemptive acts in the world today in a host of different ways as we share like Boaz in his time, in our time, as we share in this multitude of different ways of serving God, we're participating in the work of redemption. That makes our work very spiritual work. If you're feeding the hungry, if you're clothing the naked, if you're providing homes, if you're offering shelter to the refugee, you're doing the work that's the Lord's work. So be part of that redemptive work and give thanks to God for the redemption that He's brought us through our Lord Jesus Christ getting warm at the front here. and Maybe I'm warming up too much. <laughs> the second thing that I want to share from this morning is this is a time for praise and prayer, chapter 4. The time of redemption was a time to give thanks to God and a time to pray for others, as we've been doing this morning. Did you notice when the witnesses all agreed with Boaz. We're witnesses. Did you notice that they spontaneously burst into prayer and praise? Look at verse uh, 11 and 12. After saying, we are witnesses, the elders and all those at the gate said, may the Lord make the woman who's coming into your home like Rachel and Leah who built up the house of Israel a prayer for Ruth, coming into Boaz's home and family. And then they prayed for Boaz. May you have standing in Ephratha and be famous in Bethlehem. And then they prayed for the family who were yet to come. Through the offspring the Lord gives you by this young woman, may your family be like that of Perez, whom Tamar bore to Judah. They raised their voices, Giving thanks to God for he is good, his faithful love endures forever. Let's say that once more together. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good, his faithful love endures forever. A refrain that will be heard many times in the book of Psalms, and it's there in the story. God has been good, and we want to celebrate this with you. And what better way than to offer praise? and to offer prayer. And prayer is also made in verse 14 for Naomi and for her grandson, Obed. Praise be to the Lord, who this day has not left you without a kinsman redeemer. May he become famous throughout Israel. This is a time to give thanks and a time to pray. So the ending of the story ends on this hugely positive note of the the people of God joining together communally. And things, as you probably have gathered in Israel, were, were pretty public affairs. So, business was transacted in public at the town gate, people coming and going. Thanksgiving was offered in public, and people were very involved communally. There was a real sense of Society there, people being bound together. What a wonderful way to be joined together, giving thanks and praying for others and for what is to come. Our prayers are unique and irreplaceable. And one of the great things we can do that others cannot do in our society is to pray, to approach the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, and to pray for people, naming them before him and asking his blessing on them. What a great privilege is ours. The third thing that I want to say about this pathway of grace is that it's a time for celebration. When the, the neighbors gather round Naomi, when she's, you can picture her holding her grandson Obed and Ruth and Boaz looking on and the women say to Naomi, The Lord has not left you without a kinsman redeemer. Remember in the story early on, when Naomi came back from Moab after the famine and the dreadful loss of her husband and her two sons, when she came back to Moab, she said, Change my name, please. Naomi means pleasant, but call me Mara which means bitter. She came back with that sense of bitterness, emptiness in her heart and life. But now, at the end of the story, she's been filled. Now she has a son. The women say, this is your son. It was her grandson. But sometimes generations got concertinaed in Israel brought together, so that this was Naomi's child. She was just as much a mother to this baby as Ruth, his natural mother, because this was God's fulfillment. She was full now. She'd come empty, and now she was filled. She'd come with nothing, and now she had another family. Now she had a land that was hers again, now she had relations. Now she had income. You came back empty. And now God has filled you. And Ruth um, is described as being better to you than seven sons. Now, you didn't say that in Israel because Israel was a society that was very male-dominated. And uh, if sometimes if people had daughters instead of sons, They would kind of look down on them a little bit. And so, for the women to say, your daughter-in-law is better to you than seven sons was quite an astonishing statement to make about anyone. And it shows Ruth's love and loyalty that people were responding to. And it shows that God was fulfilling His purpose in the life of this woman. And something else that's interesting in verse 13 is the the emphasis that the gift of this son was a gift that God had given. The Lord enabled Ruth to conceive. Remember that Ruth had been married for about 10 years to Malon without any children being born. Now, we don't know what the problems might have been, but now there's the recognition that God has been good. And the baby boy, Obed, is God's icing on the cake for this family. So it's a time for redemption, a time for praise and prayer, a time for celebration. And one more thing, a time to anticipate the changing of the slide. (laughs) There it's going now. A time to anticipate... The coming of Jesus. Look at the genealogy at the end of chapter 4. It starts with Perez and it ends with David. There are three women's names mentioned there Tamar, Rahab, and Ruth. Um, Sorry, Rahab is not mentioned there, um, but earlier on Boaz is mentioned, sorry, later on Boaz is named as the daughter of Rahab. So, there's women's names mentioned in this genealogy who are all brought together in this story. The prayer is, May your children be like the children of Tamar, the daughter of Perez. Sorry, Tamar, the mother of Perez. I'm just trying to make sure I get this right because it's very important. Perez was the, the son of Tamar. But the story of how he was born is quite a sordid story. If you read back to Genesis chapter 38, you can read the whole story. Uh, Tamar was married to one of Judah's sons, and unfortunately he died. And then she got married to his brother, and he died. And there was another brother, but Judah was worried that Uh, he also might die. So, he didn't let Tamar get married to him to keep the family name alive. And so, in desperation, Tamar dressed herself like a prostitute and propositioned her father-in-law disguised in the process. And as a result of their union, Perez was born. So, it was a very sordid story in the background. But Tamar is recorded in the genealogy of Ruth. Ruth is mentioned there, and then David is mentioned as the king. So, it comes down to this point. Here is this icing on the cake. Here are some women, a foreign woman, Ruth, a woman who acted in a way that was uh, morally dubious and questionable, a whole sordid episode, and yet they're there in the genealogy of David. But then you turn over to Matthew's Gospel, chapter 1, and you read names in the genealogy in Matthew's Gospel that are also recorded in Ruth. You read the name of Tamar. There you read the name of Rahab, the prostitute in Jericho, who sheltered the Israelite spies, and who subsequently got married, and whose son was Boaz. And you read the name of Ruth in the genealogy of Jesus. So, the genealogy in chapter 4 of Ruth is added to by the genealogy in Matthew chapter 1, and it's extended even further. And so, Ruth is not just a great-grandmother of King David, but she becomes one of the ancestors that go all the way down to the Lord Jesus Christ himself. There are only four women named in the genealogy of Jesus, and three of them are brought together in the story of Ruth. Tamar, Rahab, Boaz's mother, and Ruth herself, two foreigners and one prostitute, and there they are in the story of Jesus. All signs of the grace of God. And so, the story of Ruth does not end with King David, but it points the way beyond King David to King Jesus. Pathways of grace, amazing grace, How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found, was blind, but now I see. The Lord has promised good to me. His word my hope secures. He will my shield and portion be as long as life endures. Yes, when this mortal flesh shall fail, I will within the veil know a life of joy and peace. God is not finished with us when our life comes to an end, but the blessing we have been in this life we can pass down to others just as Ruth became part of that family tree that goes all the way down to Jesus. We can truly say about her story, this everyday story of country folk, All things work together for those who are called by God. All things work together. Nothing is left out of God's plan in Ruth's life. And she's given that honored place as one of the ancestors of our Lord Jesus Christ. What a wonderful story. And it's not just her story, It can be our story as well. Do you know and trust the Redeemer? Have you given your life to Him? What can He do with you and through you? Only time will tell. As a congregation, go on serving and trusting this Redeemer. Share with Him in the work of redemption. Give thanks and pray for others and celebrate what He's done. And who knows how God will fulfill His purpose in our lives, whatever might come. Amen. Let's pray together. We know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love Him, who've been called according to His purpose. For those God foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of His Son, that He might be the firstborn among many brothers. Father, thank You that You're working out Your purpose in our lives, just as You worked out Your purpose in the life of Ruth. Thank You that You've provided for us a great Redeemer, just as You provided for her and Naomi, a kinsman Redeemer in the form of Boaz, thank you for Jesus, our Redeemer. And may we share with Him in the glorious work of His redemptive acts in the world today. May we know His presence with us. May we know Your blessing. And as we do so, as we live out our lives and discover Your grace, Your abundant grace, may we give thanks to You because You're good and because your faithful love endures forever. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord and Savior. Amen.